Hi everyone, Tu Li here, one half of the China EVs and more duo. Lei and I are always thinking about different ways to bring you, our audience, relevant and compelling content about the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. Especially now that several companies that we've tracked over the last 60 or so episodes have become global phenomenon. China EVs More Max is where we bring you special content in the form of conversations we have with special guests from those sectors. In part two of our conversation with Steve Levine, editor at The Electric, he gives us his perspectives on solid-state batteries, raw material procurement, battery production capacity, the shortfall between legacy OEM EV production forecasts and raw material supply, future prospects of CATL and BYD manufacturing in North America, the viability of battery swapping outside of China, and the difficulty of Tesla ramping up production of their 4680 battery cell. You don't see solid state becoming viable commercially by the end of this decade then. Factorial, QuantumScape, those types of companies, SES, I think. Well, you know, solid state, okay, solid state is the electrolyte. It still requires the same cathode and either you know so, some kind of anode. All you've done is re- replace the liquid with a solid. It, it's crazy when you read solid state is going to change everything. What is it going to change? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't change anything. All it does, it, it does make batteries safer. And charges faster, Why? right? Why does it charge faster? But <laughs> ions have to move through liquid why would ions move through a solid faster? They don't. What matters is the anode. So if uh, if you can get like a silicon, and what it's the graphite that's the pr- problem, right? When you, the the graphite won't absorb the lithium ions as quickly as people want to shove them in to fast charge, and so they end up blocking, right? They form blotches on the on the outside of the anode, the graphite. Anode and that ends and, and and that's permanent. That's the problem, and that does that's not solved by by solid state. So, Henrik Fisker would pat you on the back and shake your hands, very good because he was when we he was our first guest, and and he was big on solid state like in 2018 when I last talked to him, and last year at the Auto Show he was. You know, no, 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 solid state. That's, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I think he'll be in agreement with, with you. Um. Yeah. So solid solid state, it enables, it can enable lithium metal as the anode. But if you look at the recent uh, announcements from these um, legacies, I mean, it's already proving your point. Uh, 2026, 2028, and this is not mass scale production. This is something a timeline where you say okay we think we can have a production vehicle but in large volumes right you still have to think post 2030 so i I guess you know they're they're in agreement with you yeah all all of these by the way all these milestones we talk about before the raw materials you know before we understood there was a raw materials crisis that all gets pushed ahead so um, speaking, you, you mentioned nickel a few minutes ago. There were two 
stories or two news from yesterday. So Walter Isaacson, who's writing the biography of uh, Elon Musk, he tweeted that Elon was meeting with the guys from Indonesia on a nickel agreement. And in the shareholder letter from Mary Barra, there's that big paragraph talking about COBOL with Glencore and then a upcoming announcement on nickel where these legacy I mean, not legacies, but OEMs are working directly to kind of solve this this issue. Is right? Is that now the kind of when we talk about you know those different whether it's vertical integration or working directly with much more upstream suppliers? Is is that the 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 kind of the standard going forward? That there's no way around it. Well, what do you think? Yes, I do. I I do think that. The auto companies, which had the major auto companies, which which have been for twenty years or thirty years, two two. You we're the best at the car industry. You know when when did they stop wanting to to vertically integrate? You know, oh, so this sort is Delphi. seventies, eighties, nineties. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but now, yeah. So they have to they have to have their own assets. They have to follow China into into this. Of uh, e- e- either you know long-term agreements with the mines, the mining companies, uh, or buying out outright. You know, I I wrote a piece this week. Why, if forty-six billion dollars was burning a hole in Elon Musk's pocket, <laughs> why didn't he buy Albemarle and a couple of lithium right. companies, right? And 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 put himself right, like untouchable he would be unassailable yeah so so yes so the and the, and these these deals you're you're talking about su- super important i'm wondering about i was wondering about I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this meeting that uh that elon actually had a photograph taken of him with the right, indonesian right, yep. minister mm-hmm. and the other right holding up something right yeah and they're all wearing suits and he's in his black t-shirt <laughs> hanging at you know, <laughs> so anyway but uh so Indonesia is right. They they want to. They they have all that. Nickel. Talk about geopolitics. Talk about geopolitics. Yeah, and and they they want to be, but they 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 want to be added value. They don't want to be. Hey, you're just taking our our raw material. They want they want the cathodes. They want the whole process made made there, and that's so smart. They well, they want what they want to do is they want to dethrone Thailand from Southeast Asia and Vietnam for being a hub for manufacturing, right? That's so smart. Yeah, it's good. Okay, but but my but my question is Indonesia also ha- has the highest energy, not the highest, but a very high energy intensity for the nickel that they produce and the processes that they're using also are are is it called HPA? It begins with an H, the or HAP it's 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 a it's a it's a, uh I'm not sure. acid Leaching. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you know, this is why prior to this, Elon had avoided Indonesia and gone to New Caledonia because you know cleaner, cleaner method of. So, so I've wondered. Okay, so you, the the Indonesians, he didn't invite the Indonesians there, right? They are selling themselves to him, and and they did talk about ESG. But I just I'm wondering, you know, will he do a deal? Will they clean up these? methods so that he can do a deal 
But Tesla's has been in discussions with Indonesia for at least a couple of years. I know they were talking about he never Tesla never said that they were going to build manufacturing there, but you knew he was there for one reason. Uh, or Tesla was there for one reason. So that's been that's been in the news for the last couple of years. So Okay. It it it, it has, but he's but but again he's he hasn't done a deal. Like for example, VW just went ahead and signed, right? And did, did a you know a very large nickel and cobalt deal. But you have to remember, Steve, when we're talking a GM and a Volkswagen, this is existential for them, right? With with Elon, it's a million and a half cars in 2022 that he wants to build, right? Right. And that's that's a quarter of production for for GM. That is less than 20% of annual global production for a Volkswagen, right? And so they're looking at securing raw materials because if they don't have it, they're shutting down dozens of factories, right? Where yeah. I think there's a little more flexibility with Tesla, you know, than there is for these legacy automakers. So Okay, but 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 to the point I just want to make sure that we're that we're on, on point here. Are you saying that that Elon is cool with with the Indonesians, he's not so concerned about these environmental questions. You know, I think they will follow whatever Indonesia's local policies are when it comes to that stuff, right? Like, a for instance, might be Shanghai Gigafactory probably runs a little bit different than, than Berlin Gigafactory, than Austin Gigafactory, right? And, you know, just like Nike, we follow the local laws and the policies of the countries that we do business in, right? So we also have to remember that Tesla has that reality distortion field. So regardless of who you are, you kind of want to work with Tesla to be able to say, I work with Tesla. (laughs) Or as GM, I don't think there's that cachet or Volkswagen. There's not that cachet, right? So, yeah. But, man, this has been an amazing... (laughs) We haven't talked. We haven't asked any one of our questions. By the way, Steve, we're just riffing. <laughs> no, we're mean, just they, talking. I think they've been mixed in in the questions. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the China market? Because to your point, right? You saw this canary in the coal mine. You wrote this book in twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. So you saw around the corner. You saw these angles, and to a lesser extent. That's why Lay and I started this podcast, right? Because as Americans living abroad, we saw that this tidal wave was coming from China. And to your point, the legacies, although they sell millions of cars in China, they just weren't waking up to the fact that this EV tidal wave was coming from from China. And so it was important for us to really create an awareness that if you're not ready and you're caught flat-footed, this thing is going to knock you off your feet, right? This tidal wave. And so, do you know, what are your thoughts on... Because CATL uh, in Q1 was 50% of production of battery, uh, battery cells in China. So they're the 800-pound gorilla. Do you... I mean, they're, and they're continuing to build capacity... Everybody's building capacity. Northfold is building six gigafactories, right? LG, 
in the United States, Panasonic. Now, do you see in 10 years, 12 years, overcapacity, especially, specifically in the LFP side? Oh, so we're talking about two different things. One, one is the, um, yeah, sorry. the cell making, the gigafactories, and the other one is the, is the raw materials. There definitely is overcapacity of gigafactories announced, and they're not going to all be built. Right. Benchmark talks about maybe 70% of, the, of them will be built. And, and then remember, the gigafactories are not all made equal. They're, they're you know, tier one, tier two, tier, tier three, and they, not, not everyone is a CATL in terms of their ability to make a really good battery. So, so yes, there's overcapacity in the, in the, uh, the cell making, but not on the materials. Right. There's, there's still not, but the, but, but you get into this situation. Jeff Don is a very, uh, we, we haven't mentioned him, but, but, you know, he, he's like, like they're, they're next to John Goodenough, the inventor of, you know, the, the batteries as we know them, right? The, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's turning 100 years old this year. Uh, you know, he's still working on batteries. But anyway, but next to him, Jeff Don is the biggest thing there is in batteries. And uh, so he's, you know, for those who don't know, uh, professor at Dalhousie University in Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia, and he is the the key battery advisor to Tesla, the key key out, outside mm-hmm. advisor. And so he talks about when you look at the uh, at the trajectory of EV production over decades. So we got this decade, then we got the 2030s. Once you get into the 2040s and you're really at scale and you are re- replacing the combustion fleet, you need metals that are at a concentration in the Earth's crust of 200 parts per million. This is his, his number. Right? He, he, he gave a, 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 a talk two weeks ago at a battery conference down in Florida that I had, had attended. When you get to that scale, 200 parts per, per million, you exclude lithium, cobalt, and nickel. And so, so you have iron and manganese still, and 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 some other. You you still have sodium. You still have sulfur. So when we get up to up to scale, you know the, this this will affect everyone. The batteries that we know today, the the chemistries we know today, will be marginalized, and will have you know uh, sodium ion will will have to work. Sulfur will have to work, and th- those are inferior. On in the in the air, like they are not going to take a car 300 miles, and uh, you know they won't. You know they won't do a lot of the things that we that that we want them to do. And so uh, you know it, it it just means that the that the the landscape is going to change. CATL, of course, is on top of this, but you know the just where, where is I th- I think that China Chinese automakers Chinese battery makers and we, we haven't mentioned byd i think B, byd makes the best all-around ev battery on the planet the blade the blade the blade the battery the best that there is and and you know it's so uh un- underestimated i mean you we know what it is but if you go out on the street like does anyone know you know what this is and it's i was reading that they're going to add about 150 gigawatt hours of capacity this year in china yeah 
Yeah. So. And so, yeah, people people are going to yeah, the the car makers will the the Western car makers will do business with with uh, with with BYD and the and the Blade. But 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 if you go to twenty thirty, the forecasts are that total around the world between twenty five and forty million EVs are are yeah. made, and and China is like half at at least half of that, <laughs> and Tesla. So where does Tesla end up? Right. Tesla is going to make one and a half million batteries EVs this year. And then and and, and that's only with Giga Austin and Giga Berlin starting to crank up. So they're going to go. Right. It's totally reasonable to expect two million next year and five million in in 2025 from Tesla from from these from the four. Right. Shanghai, Austin, Fremont, Fremont and Berlin. Right, that you can get five million. To 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 hammer your point home, Steve, Elon said that on the earnings call that he foresees fifty percent growth over the next several years. Right. So I did the numbers on that. I did the numbers. So so he so he's talking about about uh, if I can call it up here, you know, about fifty percent. If you do, uh, oh, it just went straight to that page. If you do that, the math, right? So he's talking about twenty million. Or twenty-two million by twenty thirty or twenty thirty-two, in uh, if it's fifty percent a year in twenty twenty-eight, it's sixteen point eight million. In twenty twenty-nine, it's twenty-five million. In twenty thirty, it's thirty-eight million. You know, I don't. He's not. I don't. I don't think he gets it. But I'm just saying that's the. If that happened, that would be the growth. Well, it's the other thing too, though, Steve. It, it's also that gigafactories need to open two or three a year as well. Then, right? So, yeah, and okay, but 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 where I'm getting to is, again is I'm I'm returning to that theme. If China has got half of that, let's say it's forty million. Let's say it's forty because you can't again you count what the like Ford Ford and GM both say they want to be making two million. EVs a year by 2025. Right. So what is that in in 2030? V, VW wants to be making four and a half million in in 20. When you add all those up, you get to about 20 million or 22 million from the major from the major car makers, not including China, not including Tesla. And so, and so when you add right, you add um, Tesla. If Tesla does. Let's say Tesla just gets 10 million and doesn't get to 20 million. So that's 30, 33. And then China, 14, you know, 10 or 14 million, 43 or 45 million EVs. That's what they say they want. Do they get made? Again, everyone else is scrambling. Really quickly, Steve, uh, for context uh, for our audience, the, the world buys between 75 and 85 to 90 million cars a year. So right. 50%. At 2030 would mean around 40 million cars were EVs. And so that's where Steve is getting his numbers from. If 50% of the cars being sold are electric, and remember that we're not just talking about Europe, China, and the United States. We're talking about Brazil, where EV adoption, or South America, we're talking about Southeast Asia, where EV adoption is going to take a lot longer than the major regions, I think. So uh, there's still going to be petrol vehicles sold in 2030 for sure. So yes. And then look at the number. So, so if you've got China with, with 15 and Tesla, well, let's say it's 10, that's 25. If numbers, uh, that's 
15 million divided by everyone else. <laughs> it is, you know, you, you start out this, this part of the, of our conversation, you, you ask about where, where's China, China, this is China's world, right? China and Tesla, China and Tesla's world in 2030, what it looks like at this stage. And again, we'll, you know, we'll talk again in 2030 and see where things really, really went. But at this stage, that's what it looks like. And if we're giving credit, guys, we should probably call out BYD, right? Because BYD is going to be a player for sure in 2030. You know, yeah. to, to your point earlier, Steve, about how you said consolidation is likely to happen in the automotive sector by 2030. I had said months ago, last year, um, that in 2030, I could see in the top 10 some legacy automakers, some EV first companies like a Tesla or a Neo, and then some technology companies in the top 10 of mobility companies because they won't be called automotive companies anymore. So I totally agree with you. I think there's going to be the weaker players are just going to get eaten up. And I see opportunities for tech companies to acquire assets on the cheap from weak automakers. And so they can, instead of being a contract manufacturer, outsourcing manufacturing, they can just buy a factory super cheap and then build on their own where they have total control of design and manufacturing, right? So- Yes. Yeah. And, and isn't, too, just to, isn't Musk's swooping in and just saying, well, I'm going to own Twitter. Isn't that what this is, right? I mean, Apple or whomever can just say, I'm going to buy you know, just name the company, right? And, and two weeks later, they own it. And it's not just Apple, because Apple, Google, Amazon, they have hundreds of billions of dollars in the bank doing nothing. Right. Hundreds of billions of dollars. So speaking of the volumes, you have to also think about of those 40 million EVs, how much are the robo-taxi fleets not privately owned? Right? That, that's another kind of the topic that we, we haven't touched upon what would that picture, what would that outlook look like? Because all, most of the robo-taxis are EVs, right? That's that's a given. Yeah. And what what are you thinking of? Just what, where's your brain in this in this sector? I would imagine they will account for, for a big portion, right? Based on what's happening in China, right? Yeah. I think, I think the only way these car companies get to these numbers that we're talking about, a handful of them, not all of them, right? Because we all believe that not every single legacy automaker is going to hit their proclaimed forecast or their goals in 2025 or 2027, right? But in 2026, 2027, uh, I'll give you a for instance, Steve, we uh, interviewed Maxwell Joe, who is the founder CEO of Deep Route, Okay. DeepRoute just announced a $10,000 hardware software stack, level four autonomous, that he's partnering with automakers to bolt on at the factory, okay, that are integrated into the, the OEM's vehicle. So not as a separate add-on after the, the vehicle is built. And so if we get to five, you know, let's say six, five, four thousand dollars for a level four hardware software stack, every every car is going to have them pretty much by 26, 27. And so I believe the trend is going to be private car ownership is still going to go down. It'll balance out because China will grow a little bit, you know, 
because there are around 22, 24 million cars a year being sold. Let's say they go up to 27, 28 by 2030, but U.S. is still going to go down. I think Europe's going to go down. Car sharing, ride hailing, and then robo-taxis will, I think, take over that delta between private car ownership and the rides that still need to happen, right? Yeah. So this is interesting. I don't, you guys know a lot, a lot more, a lot more about, about what's happening with the, the robo taxi space. I'm, I'm interested in what, in what you've said about the, the level four. Is this, you know, which, you know, people talk about it, but no one is really there yet. I mean, that's, has this guy shown that he really does have, I mean, there's, you know, there's the proper testing and, and all of that. He just launched or deep route just launched 30 of them in Shenzhen. Right. So they're being tested right now. Right. Uh, and piloted. And so I think most CEOs will tell you that they're, and, and Lei had really hammered this home t- for me. They'll tell you that they're L4 capable, but, you know, from a policy and a law standpoint, they can't say that, right? They can't say that they're L4. But even Elon had to get his wrist slapped for FSD, right? Because the lawyers basically told him that you have to say they're only L2 capable or we're going to be liable, right? So Right. And is he saying L4? Because L4 should mean that you can go anywhere. Or is it L4 on a fixed route? So when we say anywhere, we're basically saying point to point, right? I get in the car, it takes me anywhere I want, and I don't touch the wheel ever, right? Right. You know, what's going to end up happening is... There's going to be a combination of locations being geofenced that allow for it. There's going to be speed limits that can't uh, that are governed. You know, it can't go faster than 30 miles an hour. Um, and then there's going to be uh, certain use cases that are, that allow for like in a traffic jam or for a commercial vehicle on the highway. Uh, between this point and this point. And so when you get into level four, that's when we also need to talk about commercial trucking because robo-taxis from a private passenger taking over for a DD driver or an Uber driver, that's probably still a good 10, 12 years out, but certain from point to point. But use cases, that could happen in the next three or four years, right? Right, right. So that that's... Right. I mean, in my view, that's kind of an ast- level four with an asterisk. It's yeah. It's a, but but it, but it is interesting. I mean, it, it's 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 a way I've I've wondered about that since since level five may never happen. Right. I mean, it could, but it may never ha- happen. What are the commercial cases for level three and four? And you just named right. You just named some. And the thing that when when we talk about level four. And taking the driver out, it has completely different implications in China than it does in the United States and Europe, right? There's unions in the U.S. and Europe, but now we're talking, and you know, people are going to be displaced out of a job in China, right? And the Chinese government's number one goal is to keep people employed, not for companies to be profitable per se, right? And so they're going to really, really manage how the technology gets rolled out to ensure that there's not all of a sudden 2 million taxi drivers that are displaced and with nowhere to go, right? So I think that's where 
China is going to be a little bit different than the rest of the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that. Well, that's so you you can imagine. Like uh, I was, I was just looking before before we got on this call that Lucid had um, had sold a hundred thousand of its vehicles to the Saudis. So it just me, you know, this is you know just lay lay what what you were saying. I mean, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Fleet, these fleets can be just a huge customer for you know, for for the EV makers. Hertz with uh, Tesla and Polestar, and yep. there will be more, right? And uh, switch gears a little bit, battery swapping. What's your stance? I mean, could that be a viable business model here in the U.S.? Because Neo, without a doubt, they're coming uh, a matter of time. Yeah. And th- they'll bring that over. And CATL? Yeah, CATL, sure. They just they just announced that their partnership with iWays, an EV company here. So Yeah, so I've watched that. I've I- I've watched the way that swapping is taking off in China, and it it, it also is in India with two wheelers in Taiwan. Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm skeptical about swapping in the United States, not because it's a bad idea. I think it's a great idea. It's you know it's a a way of of you know significantly redu- reducing the cost to us of buying an EV, you know, a, a swapping situation. If you're just leasing, you know, the, uh, the battery or just paying, you know, paying for the use of the battery. But it just it requires the um, automakers to, you know, to change their whole their whole plan. Right. <laughs> just their the, 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 the way they're making their vehicles and uh, and requires them to make commitments about the batteries and about how every single vehicle they're going to make from now and, you know, for forever is going to be made. They haven't done that, and so I think it's going to be niche in 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 the U.S. At best, it's going to be niche. I do see that you know we didn't get there quite, but that but that you do have China becoming the new Japan in terms of of being you know, just a major uh, retailer of of its EVs and wholesaler of of its batteries in North America. In the United States, and 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 that's because of necessity on the battery side, and on the car side, just because they're competitive, you know. So, so they will come in, but in t- in terms of swapping, I don't see the I don't see the other major car makers, you know, switching that direction. You had had a, a good discussion with Levi for for that mobility conference that that we sponsored, so that was an interesting. I, I enjoyed that one. So, um, you know, Levi wants this to happen. And so he, Levi's a salesman, right? So he's, he's very convincing. He's, he's yeah. very convincing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I met Levi about 10 years ago, 2013, at a conference in, I think it was in Wuhan. And he was showing me his uh, book on, on what's, what's the title? Great. Great race. Great race. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a funny guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's very, very convincing. So this is, I just thought of this one. Who do you think would be first to build capacity in North America? BYD or CATL and why? Well, uh, BYD <laughs> BYD is already doing it. BYD is already in California. Well, I mean, like battery cell manufacturing capacity. Okay. Do you think CATL is is a little bit too controversial? Or <laughs> a good question. 
I guess I would say, I guess I would stick with BYD because they've, they, again, they already have their foot down. Like it, it, it doesn't seem to me to be a big jump for them, for them to say, well, okay, we're also going to, on our land in Lancaster, California, we're also going to, to build cells. But CATL is really scouting. They're, they're, they're really going to do this. And, uh, you know, I've talked to folks who they've, who they spoke to in Mexico, but they want a good deal. They feel like they're in the driver's seat and they want, so they want who, wherever they go to give them like a sweetheart deal. Like they want 25% of the cost to be borne by the place they're, you know, they're, they're at. So, so the Mexicans said, well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and so, so they moved on from there. Let's see if they can get that kind of a deal either in Canada or the United States. But that's the thing though, right, Steve? They kind of have to be in Mexico or Texas or Arizona if they're going to supply the Austin Giga, right? Yeah, this is true. This is true. So, right. So maybe CATL has to do the compromising. If I was Mexico, if I was the Mexico foreign direct investment people, I'd be like, Okay, we have the leverage because you actually don't want to be building in the U.S. There's going to be way too many controversies with that, right? So if you build in Mexico, we still have the free trade agreement. We ship across the border. We're done, right? Right. But but what if you do a deal? What if if you're if you're CATL and we have, you know, the USMCA, the new NAFTA, requires seventy percent local content. So what if, you know, CATL does a deal. First of all, you've got Musk, you know, saying, I want this factory. And C and CATL says, okay, not right away, but over the 10 years, we will source all of the, you know, 70% of the nickel and so on right here in North America. I think, I think they would, I think they would, I think Texas would say yes. And that, well, know, the government would say yes. That's the other thing, Steve, you don't think the, Governor of Alabama would be like, come on in. You know, the governor <laughs> of Mississippi would be like, yeah, we'd love to have you. You know, so yes. maybe CATL knows that and is leveraging Mexico because they'd rather build in Mexico than they would in Alabama. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a good, what, uh, what do you guys think? What, what happens in that game? Lay, what do you think, man? I don't know. I mean, BID definitely has the basis already, right? BID just launched in. Well, Mexico, uh, BYD seems they're everywhere. They're in the U.S. Their cars are now, their EVs are now everywhere around the U.S. Yeah, Costa Rica, <laughs> Mexico, Bahamas, uh, right? Uh, so, <laughs> oh, there's a there's a few. Remember, remember uh, Taylor. There's a few parked in Silicon Valley, right? So, yeah, in Michigan. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. in Michigan. <laughs> so, so, but. You know, yeah, so I, I would tend to agree with Steve a bit. Here's uh here's the last serious question, Steve, and then and then we'll wrap it up. We've basically gone the entire conversation without a specific Tesla question. We've brought them up, but we haven't asked. <laughs> so I'm gonna break the streak. Why has it been so hard for Tesla to get the forty six eighty battery mass produced? Because it's it's not just it's not just the the uh, carcass. It's all of those bells and whistles that uh, Musk wants inside. And so you know, 
you know, all you have to do is have this conversation on Twitter and like <laughs> you get all the maniacs, the Tesla mania. I mean, they are just fervent on this. They're angry. You know, how dare you talk about the 4680? And so I know I'm going to get in trouble on this one. They're, they're just not there, right? They're the, the 4680, you know, they want uh tablets and they want the, you know, the dry cathode processing DBE and, and, uh, and, and they're definitely not there with the DBE. You know, it's just a slow, this slow process. You know, they only turned out uh, enough um, of the 4680s in, in Fremont. Is it for a thousand, like a thousand watt? Yeah model wise and so you know i've i've been talking around you know to to uh to people about the about the you know dbe it's hard it's really hard right and and it, it's it, it really is it's just taking dry stuff and it's cereal with no milk in it you know how do you get that to stay and to be uniformly coated fast right super fast on these and 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 safely and so that's hard, you know, so, th- so they have to figure that out. And so um, maybe they go, they go without, so they go, okay, but let's drop, let's say they, they don't really want, or they decide they're going to compromise and not, and not do the, the dry processing. If they were there on tablets at scale and at the rate, at the yield, you know, with the right yield, they would be producing it. So they're not there yet. They're they're not there yet with the tablets either. Even though everyone, you know, you're stupid, Levine. Are you Musk's nephew? You know, do you know this stuff? Uh, you know, why do you know? And 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 they always sort of link to something and say, didn't you see this? And uh, if he could make the forty six eighties with the tablets at scale, he would be doing it. Steve, just wait. Now that he owns Twitter, they're going to feel like they own Twitter now, too. right? (laughs) So they're going to be like, don't jump off my platform if you're going to talk badly about Tesla. Right. Like, right. (laughs) They they don't say they they always word things like they don't just say, hey, I disagree with you. And this is why it's it's very insulting. You know, the language. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This has been a great conversation. I learned a ton in. I'd love to just do this like once every couple of months just to catch up. <laughs> but uh, thank you for, for joining us, Steve. Uh, let me throw this out. Do you have any other questions for Lay or I? Yeah. Let's, let's, see. <laughs> let's see. Well, I guess I would be interested in there. – there is a question I'd be interested in. And so – CATL and Goshen and BYD and so on, they are the 800-pound gorillas in, in the battery space. It's just, it's not logical that they just stay in China doing what they're doing, what they're doing. just like it, it wasn't logical that, that Toyota and Nissan and so on were going to stay in Japan and, you know, and just n- name your... So, so my, my, uh, my question is, do... Let's say it's 2030, you know, eight, eight, 10 years from now, do we have these companies? They are based in North America. They are the 800 pound gorillas here and in Europe making the EV batteries. Well, CATL is already, CATL is halfway there or they're already there, right? With the Turinga plant in Germany that's recently gotten, what was the news about them getting 
was it approval or something? Um, I think for the for the initial fifteen gigawatt hours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds small, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they're building a hundred and something gigawatt hour factory in Ningda, right? <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised. Surprising, it's inevitable uh, that they have to, you know, be where your customers are. But this goes back to a question, Steve, and. We'd written it down, but I, we didn't ask it. But not, and I'll bring it up now um, because you, you do talk about geopolitics. Do you think there's going to be at least some protectionism in Europe and, and, in the, and or in the United States that says we can't let this 800-pound gorilla come in here? And if nothing else, the Koreans and Japanese in the United States would be like, no, you can't have them come in, right? Because they're going to undercut us on pricing, at least on the LFP side, right? And so, I don't know. Do you think there would be some protectionism in the United States or uh, Europe if they saw that risk? Well, so I know less about Europe, but in in the U.S., I think that if, the, if one, necessity is going to play a role, but if the 70% rule is, is imposed, you defang, then, 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 then it becomes much more benign. It's, it's it's guys who know what they're doing, but they're totally using you know the the local economy to do it. Um, it's like you know the the Japanese and the Germans are huge manufacturers, automobile manufacturers in the United States. No one says a word. BMW manufactures more cars in the United States than they do in Germany. Right. So if you go there, then I wonder if these nationalistic questions get uh, tamped down. That's what I would say. Well, I think the fact of the matter is that uh, specifically on the U.S. side, the understanding should be there's no American CATL. There's no American LG. There's no American Panasonic. There's no American company that's known as battery space, right? So they have to bring these, you know, in the case of GM and Ford, they already have the Kentucky and the Tennessee battery cell plants working with SK and, and LG, you know, it's besides the nationalistic and the geopolitical, at the end of the day, it might just come down to made in America. Whoever is bringing the jobs and make things in America, I, I, I'm not sure if I care that where they're from <laughs> at the end of the day. You know, the irony is that CATL might be the catfish for the United States. <laughs> Or BYD might be the catfish and, and and create that catfish effect for the U.S. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a very that's the best point of the whole conversation. That's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, I guess we will end it on that. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much. I, I really enjoy the conversation, and uh, you know, you guys are an an institution, and uh, and so you know, it's totally cool. Hi, your co-host Lei Xing here. Having had this long conversation with Steve was really eye-opening for me, not only because of the history lesson, but also because of a myriad of factors at play in order for future EV volumes to materialize, whether it's geopolitics, battery cell supremacy, raw material allocation, or tons of other internal and external factors, such as the chip shortage and the lingering pandemic. Steve helped us 
put things into perspective that not all is going to be smooth sailing as the industry transitions to an electrified future, which means there will bound to be winners and losers. We just don't know whom yet. Lei and I will be sharing more of our conversations with the men and women around the world, moving the EV, AV, and mobility sectors forward as part of this China EVs and More Max series. Some folks will be instantly recognizable, but some will just be people that are doing amazing things in the space that we think deserve to be highlighted. Don't worry, though. Lei and I will continue to host our live weekly China EVs and More Twitter Spaces room that summarizes that week's most important news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility space. For those that can't catch the live show, you can find the China EVs and More pod on all major platforms or wherever you normally get your podcasts. As EV adoption reaches its global tipping point, it'll be even more important to stay updated on everything that's happening here. Lei and I are confident that China EVs and more is the best resource to do that. Until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.